Our second reading comes from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. We pick up midstream where the author speaks of who this king that we have met in Jesus Christ is. Let us listen once more for God's word. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, The Good King. Let us pray. O King Eternal, be born within us now, that our hearts might be open to something new, perhaps to life itself. O God, send your spirit that it will be present in this space, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight will be pleasing and glorifying to you, for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What is a fulsome? Anyone? So my parents came over to dinner earlier this week, and my dad brought a book, about 600 pages more or less, volume three, of a book titled Fulsome Genealogy. You see, I'm a fulsome. That's the F in Alan F. Dyer. My grandmother was a fulsome. My great-grandfather was a fulsome. And judging by the amount of pages in this book, a lot of other people were fulsomes too. What is a fulsome? That is the opening chapter of this book. It's a transcript, actually, of a talk that was given by the president of the Fulsome Genealogical Society in 1967. And he lays out in this talk what a fulsome apparently is. He starts by talking about all the people who are fulsomes. You can start in 1637 with cousin. He talks about everyone as being a cousin with cousin John and Mary who came over from Old Hingham, England to New Hingham, Massachusetts on a boat called the Diligent. And if you trace through a few more centuries, you get to cousin Francis, who was a first lady married to Grover Cleveland. A little bit later, you get cousin Joseph Folsom, who helped to 
build what we now know as San Francisco, Folsom Street and Folsom Prison, not too far away. I'm sure there were some cousins there as well. I learned about cousin William, who was one of the chief architects of the Mormon tabernacle. As the story goes, apparently Brigham Young ran into him on the street one day and opened an umbrella and asked if he could build him a building with a roof like that. And it says that cousin William laconically told Brigham Young that he would try, and try he did. It then goes on to list all the characteristics of Folsom's. Folsom's are adventurous. Apparently, there was a cousin who was one of the first explorers of Yellowstone National Park. Folsom's are civic and military leaders, lots of teachers in the Folsom family, some Revolutionary War generals. Two cousins were at the Continental Congress. Folsom's are creative, poets, musicians. One Folsom apparently composed over 1,400 hymns. We're upholders of tradition, lots of churchgoers, clergymen, and hopefully by now some clergywomen as well. My personal favorite of the characteristics that go with the Folsoms is that we are, quote, thrifty by nature. If you were to come home and live with me, that would take on new meaning for you. I am perhaps one of the world's cheapest people. By the time you get to the end of this opening chapter, though, you have this sense that basically the entire world owes a debt of gratitude to anyone with the name Folsom. But still, it was an interesting exercise for me to begin trying to understand who I am by understanding who I come from. That's kind of what today is about. Christ the King Sunday is this last Sunday every year in the liturgical year. Next week we will gather for the first Sunday in Advent, and as far as the church is concerned, we will have celebrated New Year's already. On Christ the King Sunday each year, then, we come together to understand who Jesus is by trying to understand who Jesus comes from. And who Jesus comes from, according to our reading from Colossians, is royalty, right? Jesus is king. This passage that we've just heard from Colossians, it's full of all this resplendent language describing Jesus as the firstborn of all creation. That Jesus is before all things and he is the one in whom all things are held together. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And it sounds nice at first, doesn't it, Jesus as king? But then I started thinking about those cousins of mine at the Continental Congress. Now, I don't really know much about them besides the fact they were there, but the fact that they were there leads me to believe that they were probably not too high on kings. And then I think back to those ancient people, the Israelites. Yes, you have King David, but a flawed character in his own way. But they didn't always have the best string of luck with kings either, did they? People like King Nebuchadnezzar came in, destroyed Jerusalem, drug them off to generations of exile. Jesus, of course, he lived at the time of a king, one named Caesar. 
Jesus was executed ultimately for claiming to be king. And I think about people today as well throughout our world who live under the brutal hand of dictators and monarchs who rule not with selfless reasons but purely selfish reasons. It seems to me that God as king doesn't automatically mean good news. And so I wonder, how is this king, Jesus, how is he different? I recently came across a story about Princess Diana on her somewhat famous trip to Angola in 1997. I won't tell you all how old I was in 1997, but... I remember the images as many of you do. It's the trip she took where she was photographed and videoed wearing flak jackets, walking through large areas of land that were full of landmines. And photos, too, of her sitting at the bedside of people who had been crippled and maimed as a result of those landmines. The story I came across, though, was an account by an American doctor who was with Princess Diana on that trip. He told about how when the cameras were gone and they visited these hospitals where no videographers were in tow, he continued to see this remarkable compassion from this woman, Princess Diana. How even when there were no cameras around, she didn't hesitate to linger beside patients who had disfigurements and symptoms that were so distressing that even some of the medical personnel struggled to be near them. He tells about how the impact of watching this this beautiful young woman who was and is still today for many of us the very embodiment of a fairy tale princess. How this beautiful woman watching her offer compassion for ones who have no status in the world. How the impact of that sight was astonishing. As I read his account, it occurred to me that perhaps there is a right use of royalty. And perhaps the right use of royalty is royalty that stoops. Right? Because that's Jesus. Jesus is king of everything and everyone, and yet he is a king who does not hesitate to stoop down. That's the gospel over and over. These stories of a king who comes to sit at the bedside of a disfigured world full of people like us. People with distressing symptoms. Symptoms like greed and anger. Symptoms like Vanity and prejudice and and violence and hate. Jesus is king, but he is a king who doesn't hesitate to linger quietly with the poor and the dispossessed, with hypocrites and the heartbroken. A king who lingers with the sick and the dying and the criminal. All of those who have no status in the world. If that's true, then I think the question for us, the question becomes if, if that is who we come from, then who is it that we are called to be? I think some of us are tempted to think that it would take volumes of books like the Folsom Genealogical Society to answer that question. 
But in fact, I think the answer to that question is quite simple. I think there is one characteristic that rises above all the others for who we are called to be as followers of this Christ who stoops down. There was a pastor from Kenya in Atlanta the same time I lived there. He was studying for a doctoral degree in theology at a local seminary. And he would come and help lead worship at the church that I served, First Presbyterian of Atlanta, during those three years. He would join us in worship leadership. But he did something remarkable. Every single Sunday, he was sitting there in the chancel helping to lead worship. Whenever we got to the prayer or a prayer in worship, this pastor from Kenya, he would slowly stand and he would hike up his robes a little and he would get down on his knees and he would lay flat, flat on this stone chancel and this sanctuary full of, of people sitting. He would lay flat and he would fold his hands and rest his head like that. It was incredibly powerful to watch someone stoop in that manner as an act of devotion. It makes me think that perhaps that characteristic that we are called to live by as people who know Christ the King, the characteristic we are called to live by is humility. To follow Jesus the King and the carpenter and the soon-to-be babe in a manger is to stoop down, is to lay flat, to humbly put ourselves beneath and in service to others, to the least, to the lost, the forgotten, to the hurting, to the alone, to you and to me. To know who Christ the King is is to know humility. Because when we lay ourselves flat in service to others, we turn into the ones who, who tell the story of a king who, yes, lived long ago, but also a king who somehow miraculously lives and reigns now. Friends, that is who we are. That king, that is the king we come from. And so if we want to know what a follower of Christ the king is, we don't have to look in a book. All we have to do is look at the ones who notice the unnoticed, who live with, with open hands, not clenched fists. Have you met people who live with open hands? We have to look to the ones like us who today said yes at a baby's baptism, who made promises to love a young child who we do not yet even know. We have to live and look to those ones who love others without asking for anything in return. We have to stoop down and linger. And then, and then we have to go out 
can do likewise. Friends, as followers of Christ the King, the one who stooped down to our level to love us, may we go out and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.